The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. And we welcome you to episode 268 of the Sports Yak podcast. It's a rare double dedication. Oh. Because today we dedicate our show to the Baltimore Oriole teammates, Brooks Robinson and Jim Palmer. I have stories for both. <laughs> By the way, Brooks Robinson hit 268 home runs in his illustrious big league career. Not known as a big slugger, he played 22 years in the big leagues. Okay. Jim Palmer won 268 games. Brooks Robinson was better known for his fielding. If you go back and look at video or film of the 1970 World Series, the Orioles against the Reds, Brooks Robinson had one of the most spectacular defensive World Series of any player of all time. And so as I was growing up, I thought, well, I'd like to be able to do that. And so my first glove that I really remember was a Brooks Robinson baseball glove because if it was good enough for Brooks, it was certainly good enough for me. So was it the name brand that he would use or did it actually have like his name on it? It had his autograph in the pocket of the glove. Wow. Yeah. So... That's why he's got a special place for me. Jim Palmer gives me a chance to embarrass my oldest son. When my oldest son was, say, seven or eight, we went to the barber shop to get a haircut. And he's leafing through a magazine, and there is an ad, and it's Jim Palmer for jockey underwear, and Jim Palmer is in just his underwear. And uh, he's like, There's a guy in here in just his underwear. And I said, well, Peter, they want to try to sell the underwear. Well, who's going to want to buy it after this guy has worn it? (laughs) And that's my Jim Palmer story. That's fantastic. (laughs) Sharp boy, that Peter Freebie. (laughs) Wow. 
Who's going to buy it after that guy wore it? Actually, I can see that ad in my my mind. Absolutely. I can totally see it. Yeah. I dare say they were blue. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Welcome to the podcast. One of us knows a lot about sports, the other doesn't. Once again, it's a fun at-home version. See if you can guess which one's which. So what are we starting with today, Uncle Corey? How about... Wow, Notre Dame and Clemson on Saturday. Huge Round game. two. Yep, the first one was terrific. Back on November 7th, went double overtime at the stadium. The Irish managed to get a 47-40 victory, get the monkey off their back in terms of, well, you can't win the big games. They beat the number one team in the land. And now Notre Dame is ranked number two. Clemson is ranked number three. The parties have changed a little bit over the last six weeks. Clemson has back its all-American quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who has been spectacular, throwing for over 400 yards in his last two games. They also have back three defensive players who did not play the last time against Notre Dame. Now, in truth, one of them played the second half. That's Xavier Thomas. But Tyler Davis is the defensive tackle who is back. And James Skalski is their middle linebacker who is expected to be back. So Clemson should be activating on just about all cylinders. They're a little banged up at the receiver position. But they do still have Cornell Powell who went for six catches, 165 yards against the Irish. He was a man possessed at Notre Dame Stadium. Meanwhile, the Irish come into this game. Tommy Kramer is coming back after the appendectomy. He's supposed to be good to go. The appendectomy was three weeks ago. Jared Patterson, the center, is out for the season. So either Zeke Carell or Josh Lugg fills in at center. And so it begs many questions. Can Notre Dame run the football as well as they did against Clemson the first time? How much different does Trevor Lawrence make the Clemson offense versus the Irish defense? And do those three defensive starters being back help Clemson enough to tame down the Irish offense? Is there a lot of talk, Chuck, of, well, if they beat this version of Clemson, then we'll really fill in the blank? There's some of that because the odds makers don't think it's going to be all that close. Notre Dame is a 10.5-point underdog. Remember, the Irish have beaten Clemson already this year. They're ranked higher than Clemson this year, and they're still a 10.5-point underdog. So there's a lot of people who still don't believe in Notre Dame or believe strongly in Clemson. There's a couple of other intangibles working in Clemson's factor in this game. Number one, the game is played down in North Carolina, which means that it's only about a couple of hours from the Clemson campus, and Notre Dame will have to travel and and all of that. Uh, number two, uh, the ACC would certainly love to have 
both of these teams in the college football playoff because that's an extra $12 million in the coffers. So there's a conspiracy theorist in me that says anytime there's a close call, I tend to think it's going to go Clemson's way because if Clemson loses this game, they may be all the way out of the college football playoff. I think there's another factor that works against Notre Dame. This is Notre Dame's only season in the ACC. I don't think the powers that be in the ACC want Notre Dame to come in, run roughshod over their conference, win the conference title, and then leave. So I get the feeling there, too, maybe any close call goes against the Irish. Now, a lot of people might say, oh, you're just whining. You're, you're making excuses. You're trying to protect them. Clemson is good enough to beat Notre Dame straight up. I mean, let's make no bones about it. They took them to double overtime with their backup quarterback and those three defensive guys out on the road at Notre Dame Stadium. Clemson is a really good football team, and Notre Dame will have to be at the top of its game to beat them on Saturday afternoon. And I'm not sure the Irish can overcome that. I think where Lawrence makes the biggest difference for me, Corey, is the fact that he is a threat to run the football, which DJ Wiangale was not. And because Trevor Lawrence is a threat to run the football, you have to watch both him and and Travis Etienne in the backfield, where the first time all the Irish had to do was focus on Etienne. So now that spreads the defense a little thinner, and I think Lawrence is savvy enough to try to attack the Irish corners. I'm not sure Nick McLeod and the freshman Clarence Lewis are strong enough at their positions to battle with these physical Clemson receivers, especially Cornell Powell. So I would anticipate that Lawrence is going to try to attack there a lot. And so I think Clemson is set up to move the ball well in this game. Now, Notre Dame should still be able to move the ball. Ian Book has elevated his game over the last month. The running game, I think, is still going to be able to run the football on the Clemson defense somewhat. But remember in the game at the stadium on November 7th, Kyron Williams gets that 65-yard touchdown run to start with. And, man, we're 37 seconds into the game. Notre Dame's up 7-0. And the Irish offense did not score another touchdown until the final 33 seconds of regulation. Four times they got into the red zone and bogged down, and Jonathan Doerr had to come out and kick field goals. Field goals will not win this game. You're going to have to score tutties. These are two pretty prolific offenses, and I would look for Clemson to beat Notre Dame by about a touchdown. You said something in the middle of your diatribe. (laughs) Conspiracy theories. Okay. This is a little off of our path. Where do you land on that stuff? One being, do not bring that up to me. Five being, oh, I, I find it fascinating, and I'll listen to it, and I'll, you know, I might read an article or two. I'm probably about a four. I, I tend to be open-minded about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Now, there comes a time where you got to stop talking about it and just go play. Yeah. Right? Or if it's something else in life, you got to stop talking about it and just go do something about it. Yeah. Or, or accept it. But either way, um, 
I'm I'm willing to listen up until a point. Okay. How somebody, about you? Somebody sent me a podcast yesterday, and, and first and foremost, it's like, man, it better be up my wheelhouse. Sure. There's certain things I love to listen to. There's certain things I don't. So when I read anything that said conspiracy theory, I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to read the, but the content and the topic, I was like, oh, I got to hear this. Scorpions, Wind of Change. Remember that song with the whistling? Oh, yeah. Okay. Massive song for them around the globe in the mm. 90s. That song was written by the CIA in efforts to end the Cold War and bring enthusiasm and inspiration to the people behind the Iron Curtain. That's the conspiracy theory. Yeah, and it gets deep in the weeds. In the first episode, I was laughing, and then I started going, this kind of makes sense. <laughs> but I knew you'd probably get a kick out of I'm listening to a conspiracy theory yeah. podcast Th there's about nothing. the Scorpion's wind of change. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Uh, every novel is something, you know, somebody created in yeah. their own mind. Yeah. So what's the difference of talking about that or a conspiracy theory out loud? Yeah. Clinton and James Patterson wrote a book together a few years back, and it was very presidential. Sure. And I read that going, wow, there's some... Well, he had Clinton in there helping him going, well, this could probably yeah. happen over here, and you could use that back door over there. But anyways, I just wonder where you land. We never really talk about that, which is fine. Yeah, because sometimes it's, it's like, not conspiracy. You're yeah. a lunatic. Mm -hmm. Any other... Football games tomorrow, Chuck? Well, tomorrow, the SEC title game, you've got Alabama and Florida. Florida, of course, needing a win if they're going to have any hope of making the college football playoff. Uh, the Big 12 title game is tomorrow, Iowa State and Oklahoma. And the Big 10 title game is tomorrow, Northwestern and Ohio State. Unless you are among the Buckeye faithful, I think 99% of the nation roots for Northwestern in that game. Because they're tired of hearing how Ohio State should get into the Big Ten or into the college football playoff despite having played only five games. And we've bantied that about somewhat. That's not all their fault. They're definitely a good football team. Are they, I mean, and, and we've sat here, okay, well, who's better? And the list gets pretty thin. You know, some people would make a case for Texas A&M. Uh, I can no longer make the case for Iowa State or Florida or any of those teams because they have two losses. And one of those losses is to subpar teams. So in a certain to a certain extent, Ohio State may wind up making the college football playoff by default. Now USC can sit there. Their Pac-12 championship is tonight. They play Oregon. And if USC wins that, they would have the same record as Ohio State. Uh, the only difference is if you looked at the records of the teams that USC has beaten, they would all be 500 or below. The shining star for Ohio State is their win over Indiana by a touchdown in Columbus. Lucky you calling a basketball game. You won't have to watch that USC game tonight. But I'm sure you'll get updates. I'm sure I will, and that's fine. <laughs> I, I love me some college football, and that's you know I have no problems talking about it. Uh, we mentioned Indiana. Congratulations to Tom Allen. He is the coach of the year in the Big Ten. Yeah, he is. Yesterday, Indiana football put out a video. Uh, it's a short one. It's about a minute 15 or so of Tom Allen 
in the locker room. Being Tom Allen. Field. Tom Allen being Tom Allen. I love me some Tom Allen. And I retweeted that, and I said, pardon me, I have to go run through a brick wall. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. He, That guy, being around that guy, you can just absorb his energy. Mm. He's got it, and it's infectious, and he's terrific. Bob Diaco, a lot of people might remember him. He's a former Notre Dame defensive coordinator. That's right. Was kind of a golden boy up here. Then wound up going to be a head coach at Connecticut and work out too well. And he went to Purdue this year to be the defensive coordinator. That didn't work out too well either. And he'll only have a one-year stint on Jeff One Rom's year. Staff. Yes. And you've said that a couple times on this podcast. you got to give somebody some time. But maybe that's a chemistry thing, too. Something wasn't. I get the feeling that's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's like, you're just not a fit. No. So, Bob Diaco gone at Purdue after one year as defensive coordinator. Um, very experienced. He'll, he'll find another job somewhere, and he'll make more money than most of us. So, no need to hold the telethon for Bob. And there won't be a Big Ten matchup between Michigan State and Maryland on Saturday. That game is canceled because of the COVID. NFL football last night, Chuck Freeby? Uh Chargers beat the Raiders in overtime 30-27. to That basically knocks the Raiders out of the playoffs. They're still technically alive, but they only have about a 5% chance of getting in. So that helps the Colts. The Colts now have about a, I think I saw on one of the networks today, an 87% chance of making the playoffs now. And so there'll be a wild card, and we'll see who they get matched up with. But Indianapolis has played well. They've won six of their last eight. Uh, they play this weekend, as do the Bears. I'm trying to remember who the Colts have this weekend. Now would be a great time to thank our sponsor, Rabbit Wigs. Put that rabbit in a wig. So the Colts entertain Houston, whom the Bears embarrassed last week. And the Bears go on the road to Minnesota trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Chicago 6-7, and seven, currently ninth in the NFC. Only seven teams make the playoffs. Here we go as we segue into a whole lot of basketball. Well, it's a big weekend for basketball in the state of Indiana. The annual Crossroads Classic normally draws a big crowd down I've been to, to Indianapolis. That twice. Yeah, it's a fun event. A lot of fun. Lot of and fun. Uh, we'll have both games for you. The only place you can hear both games, the Crossroads Classic in Michiana, wow. is on 103.1 FM. We'll start you off at 11 with Indiana and Butler. Now, Butler has made itself on the reputation of being this giant killer over the year. Uh, but Laval Jordan, I think, this year has kind of a subpar team. They got blown out by Villanova the other night by about 19. And so they'll take on a Hoosier squad that seems to be finding itself a little bit. I'm still not sold completely on Archie Miller's squad. Rooting for them a little bit more because of Trey Galloway's presence on the team this year. Yes. And so we'll see how IU does in that game. And then the second game has Notre Dame and Purdue. Now, both of these teams played on Wednesday night. Purdue played Ohio State. Jaden Ivey got some limited minutes coming back from the foot injury. Looked nimble and quick and looks like he'll eventually work his way back into his regular playing time. The guy that really sparkled for Purdue the other night was Travion Williams. The big man came off the bench, 16 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. They used him. He's he's a big fella, Corey. He's about 6'10 and wide. But they brought him up top 
and they would bring their guards underneath on cuts because their guards are quick. And he was doing a good job of passing and finding the open man. Okay. And so that's something to look for as you watch them play against Notre Dame. Did that young man that you were talking about uh, that got released from the the rules, did he play the other night? Uh, Trey Wirtz. Yeah. Trey Wirtz did play the other night sparingly for Notre Dame. Notre Dame, quite frankly, was a disappointment Wednesday night against Duke. They lost 75-65. I mentioned in the morning sportscast yesterday on Pulse FM, I said the Notre Dame-Duke game is as boring as this lead. Because it was. Duke came out, punched Notre Dame in the mouth, grabbed an early seven-point lead, and it never really got closer the entire game after that. Notre Dame seemed to be practicing social distancing as a defensive philosophy, and it did not work really well because Duke was hitting open shots. The Irish did get a good game out of Dane Goodwin. He had 25 points, hit numerous three-pointers. Prentice Hub, I want to like him. He does some dynamic things. He's certainly the quickest player on a team that doesn't have a whole lot of quickness. But he'll do some things offensively that just make you shake your head or scratch your head. And uh, he had a lot of company in this. He doesn't always get after it defensively. I guess the biggest disappointment the other night was Jawan Durham. Seven-footer, inside guy for the Irish. Open the game with a dunk. You think, okay, he's engaged. He's ready to go tonight. One rebound. You can't have that out of a seven-footer. Wow. One rebound. So Mike Bray, I think over the last couple of days, has been preaching defense. We'll see how it goes. The good news for them is Purdue is unranked because Notre Dame has lost their last 24 games against ranked opponents. By the way, the Dukies were only ranked 21st, so this is not one of the great Duke teams that had came in here to Purcell Pavilion. It was a winnable game for the Irish. Had they shown up, they didn't. Nerding women's team showed up last night, and they beat Virginia Tech. Had come from behind the fourth quarter to do it, but the Hokies aren't a bad squad. And the Irish win that one to give Neil Ivey her first ACC win as Notre Dame women's basketball coach. Maddie Westbelt continues to sparkle on this team. The freshman had 23. She is the younger sister of Kat Westbelt, who played at Notre Dame previously. Uh, the Irish also got some nice play out of Anaya Peoples last night, which was good to see. She celebrated her birthday by scoring 16. And Sam Brunell had 17, including a couple of long-distance threes, Irish really ratcheted up the defense in the fourth quarter. I think that was the thing that was most pleasing to Neil Ivey because she has been on her team about its lack of defense. And so the Irish get a win. They desperately need it. They're now 1-1 one and one in the ACC and 3-3 three and three overall. You are in heavy preparation for tonight's game. Two W's. We'll be down at the Hardwood Teepee in Syracuse where Warsaw and Wawasee get together for the 75th time on the basketball court in this huge Kosciuszko County rivalry that has been dominated by Warsaw over the years. They have won 12 of the last 13 in this rivalry. They've dominated throughout history. Warsaw has a new coach this year in Matt Moore. He is only the third Warsaw coach in the last 40 years. Now, to take you back to 1980, that's when Al Rhodes took over. When Al Rhodes left Warsaw, his JV coach, Doug Ogle, took over. So Warsaw basically ran the same system for 40 years. Well, Matt Moore's not from Warsaw, and he's got a completely different system. 
And so the Tigers have had a little bit of a struggle adjusting to his system, quite frankly, and he admits that. And they're 3-3 three and three right now. Don't get too caught up in the record. Those three losses have come to teams who've gone a combined 11-1 and one so far. They have not lost to Sisters of the Poor. They've lost to some really good teams. Is that more related to another more down that way? Scott Moore is the head coach at Grace, and that's his brother. Okay. They both played their high school ball at Columbia City. Okay. So they're from the area, but they're not from Warsaw, nor did he grow up in the Warsaw system. And he has a completely different defensive philosophy than what Warsaw has used in the past. Did that did that Warsaw game plan make its way to Penn? Um, yeah, pretty much so. I mean, okay. if you if you watch Al Rhodes' teams now, uh, they play similarly to what his Warsaw teams played like. Okay, so we will will see some different things from Warsaw than what you're used to seeing. Contrast that with Wawasee. John Everingham is the head coach at Wawasee. His first three years, he won six games each year. And the school board was going to remove him. And there was kind of an outcry from the community. And they put him back in as basketball coach. And last year, his team won 14 games. They're 2-0 and this year. But they're coming off of two weeks of COVID. And there are questions as to just what players are available because of the COVID that Wawasee has suffered. So we'll see who actually can be in the starting lineup tonight. What version you get. Yeah. Um, That said, this is a team with a lot of young talent. And this is a team that will be on the rise as the future goes along. John Everingham is a tall guy. He played at Goshen High School. Um, Was actually an assistant at Grace College along with Matt Moore back in the middle part of the, the aughts in 2000 and he's got twin sons who are tall and they're both in the eighth grade right now and chances are when they are freshmen they'll probably be on the varsity so a lot of good young talent at Wawasee I think they could be a rising force in the Northern Lakes Conference so it'll be interesting to watch those two go at it 7 30 Facebook YouTube and the Champions Network 11 p.m. for TV 46 9 o'clock Saturday morning as well if you read between the lines of what you just told me, he must be a pretty great guy with his student athletes for a community to rise up after three seasons of win- winning six games each, you know. I think people could see that he was planting seeds. Got to give him and, time to do what he needs to do. And this is going back to what we had talked about. What was the feeder program like at Wallace C? You're experiencing that now yes. as a parent. Your son played in an eighth grade championship game the other night, and who came over to talk to the team? Al Rhodes, the Penn head coach. Watched the whole game, talked to them afterwards. Yeah. So you are starting to understand what how important feeder programs are to schools. Yes. And I don't get caught up too much in what sixth, seventh, and eighth graders are doing, but I keep my ear out there because it kind of gives me an idea. Down the road, who's going to be good? Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes, yeah, we it can, be a, it can be a really good class. It can be a bad class. And if you get a couple of good classes together or a couple of bad classes together, 
it really dictates how a program is going to be. Yeah. Now, you can always have a move-in, and in basketball, a move-in can be especially helpful. Uh, case in point, the Riley Wildcats. Yeah. They have a point guard now named Isaiah Robinson who wasn't there last year. His dad is an assistant principal in the South Bend Community Schools, came up from Fort Wayne. Well, here's my son, and he's going to Riley, and he's feeding the ball to Blake Wesley, which will get you a lot of assists because Blake Wesley is having a pretty good scoring year at 33 points a game. Hmm. And Riley, undefeated on the year, 4-0, goes over to take on another Notre Dame commit tonight, J.R. Kinesny in St. Joe. And let me answer a question for people. Chuck, why aren't you doing this game? You've got two Notre Dame commits in town going against each other. Well, first of all, if I did St. Joe this week, we already did them in the season opener against Adams, which we thought would be a big game. We kind of have an unwritten rule that we try to only show a team twice during the regular season. So if I show St. Joe this week, we're done with St. Joe until the tournament. Yeah. And I just don't want to be in that situation necessarily. You might say, well, why did you do St. Joe Adams the first week of the year instead of something else? And again, it's a jigsaw puzzle. There are many ways of putting it together, but we're trying to show as many different teams as we can and as many good matchups as we can. So we'll hit Riley a couple of times down the road. In fact, we've got Riley the first week after we get back from break against Elkhart. We'll have them against um, Adams more than likely late in the year, which could decide the NIC title. We'll have St. Joe and Marion, which is always a huge rivalry. So you're going to see these players, but I just couldn't make it work where these two were going head-to-head. We did it last year, couldn't do it this year. Let me pull back the curtain uh, on two things, too. Chuck is looking for an entertaining game for us to watch. Which, obviously, this would be. But upstairs, you're also talking about a sales staff that has to sell the game because this is, folks, a business. And so selling, entertaining, and just to add to complications, let's put on the word pandemic on top of everything. So sometimes, you know, you're, you're working on a depth chart. Who else can we go to if this doesn't work out or this doesn't work out? Well, frankly, I've made a couple of calls this week. Can you be our backup game? Yeah. Now, one of the places that I called to be the backup game, five hours later, had COVID. So that's what we're dealing with in 2020. But Riley St. Joe will be a great game tonight. Make no mistake about it. And... Some other good matchups tonight. Marion, 3-1 and one at Elkhart, 3-2. and two. The Lions have lost a couple in a row. They got to put the ball in the basket to be successful. Easier said than done against Rob Berger's defense. And then you've got Penn at Bremen. It's Goliath and David, the largest member of the NIC against the smallest one. Bremen playing well, though. Bremen has a new coach in Matt Miller. So far, he has beaten Gordon Mawson at Argus, who has 450-some career wins. He's beaten the Edison family at LaVille, Michael and Jack. And tonight he goes up against Al Rhodes, all in the first month of his varsity coaching career. Congratulations, Matt. Great schedule. <laughs> but he's done well. He's 3-1. and one. Penn playing well, though. They've got a sophomore guard named Marcus Burton, who's fun to watch. Let me say these names out loud before I forget them. Horrible memory. 
eighth grade going into ninth grade. Your stars coming up the pipe like you were talking about. Yeah. Alex Hawthorne. You've mentioned him on the show before. River Piscina. River. Okay. That last name. Yes. That Piscina. Son of Roger. Uh, grandson. Grandson. Okay. Yeah. And a kid by the name of Ethan Good. Oh, he's good. I'm just going to put those names out there. So All we right. can go back three years from now and go, remember in 268? Si silent E or non-silent E on good? Um, I don't, think there's, a, I don't think there's an E. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to do girls' side real quick? Sure. Great girls' game tonight. Northridge at Goshen. Northridge is 7-4. and four. Doug Springer's team lost a heartbreaker to Penn on Tuesday night by 7 in Middlebury. This is a battle for first place in the Northern Lakes Conference. Goshen has a player named Bryn Shoup-Hill who is headed to the University of Dayton. Go Flyers. And she's over 1,000 points in her career. Goshen 6-1 and one on the year. Northridge, a little bit of a younger team. They've got their star players, a junior by the name of J.C. Walker. Should be a fun game over at the Goshen Gymnasium for the fans who can attend. Okay. And I think... That pretty much catches us up. And now we can go to the little segment that I like to call <laughs> overrated, underrated. I've got one today for you, Chuck. Just okay. one. We'll sandwich you. Okay. I made notes last night. He made notes. You know, He made notes. Show prep. That's all we do. Writing down things with his pen or maybe you, in his phone. He took notes. Are you ready? Yeah. Foreigner. I think they're just kind of there. I think they're kind of rated. Yeah. I think down uh, the middle. I think if you were to sit down and do a top 30 lead singers in rock and roll music, I'd put Lou Graham in there. Mm -hmm. I think he at his at his heyday, his peak moment, he was fantastic. Uh their version now that's out on the road is overrated. <laughs> But as far as a body of work back in the day, those those are there's about four or five songs that you need to have on your classic rock, classic hits station. Um, so I think they're rated. I think they're right down they're, the middle. Okay. Yeah. You? I, I I tend to agree with you. I would I would lean a little bit towards underrated because there was a period of time there where they were churning them out. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and it was all pretty good stuff. But you're right, it's been a while, and the problem is they continue to drag it out with yeah. some some version that's out there that, yeah, yeah, not too good. I love me some Lou Graham, though. Solo records and, uh, yeah, 404, that's one of those ones you have to have in your vinyl collection. Okay. You have to have it. What uh, do you have? This was a tweet sent to us. Uh, and I am ready to stand my ground, but the musical catalog of one John Williams. Oh, I'm, I don't see how you could say he's overrated um, because he's just had so much great stuff. Can I roll down the resume real quick? Go ahead. John Williams, composer. Let's start at the top of the list. Probably best known for Star Wars. Yes, then we go E.T., mm -hmm. Jaws, Superman, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park, Close Encounters, which was huge when you and I were younger. Yes. Hasn't stood the test of time as far as themes. Right. 
And then Saving Private Ryan I threw in there as well because that movie has a fantastic soundtrack. That's not all of them, but that's... that's I mean, a, if you had the, the, the three Star Wars E.T. Jaws... Called a career. There's no telethon anytime soon No, for the Williams Foundation. No, he's doing fine, but... He's my favorite. Um, Are you going to say he's underrated, though? I mean, because... He's highly regarded. Yeah. So it it kind of leaves you in this lurch because I don't think he's overrated because he is so great. But everybody says he is so great. So to me, that puts him right down the line. We've been doing this a number of times. Is there a, a word we can use for right down the middle, down the line, like where he's supposed to be? What do we call that? Um, Spot on. Spot on. I would say spot on. I have three John Williams stories. I'll give you my absolute favorite one. Go ahead. Two young people that know where he lives are in his front yard, and they decide to do a Star Wars duet on their trumpet and trombone. Mm. Uh, They might be middle school or freshmen. Okay. So they've practiced, and they've done it, and they're doing like a tribute to him in the front yard. He comes out mid-song, stands there and takes it all in, Gets done, gives them a little applause, walks up, looks at their music, and gives them a little story behind the scenes of like, you know, when I was writing this, this happened. And spend some time with the boys. Hey, great job. Keep at it. Back into the house. As opposed to, let's say, someone like me, you. (laughs) Get off my yard! Get that stupid trombone out of my... You know, I played the trombone. Get get off the bypass. Wow. Wow. That's how you see me, huh? Well, that's how you present yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm only... <laughs> Stay off the bypass is constructive help to the listener. It really is. Because it's given only on days when you should stay off the bypass. <laughs> it's the different tones you presented in, I think. Get off my lawn is helpful. <laughs> to, you, to you. Exactly. Well, to them, because there might be ramifications. Could be. Yes. So, again, I'm just trying to help the people. People don't understand behind the crusty persona is the heart of a people person. And that heart has its strings tugged when Christmas time comes. Oh. And that made me think of this next artist. Okay. Who also has some other songs outside of Christmas. And I couldn't remember if we had done her before. I should... Have consulted the sheet. I don't think I did. Mariah Carey. Overrated. Overrated. She's a an amazing singer, and she's had her ups and downs. But she there is no denying her talent. The way she carries herself, she is uh, the word diva. It couldn't be oh, more. Absolutely. I've seen her twice live, and I've seen the live shows. And I told you I sat through this Apple Music thing. Apple TV Christmas show. It was just like, oh. Even in the very charming carpool karaoke that she did with James Corden, mm-hmm. which then involved all these other artists singing her Christmas song as well. Yeah. She still came across as like James Corden didn't want to do anything because he thought at some point she was just going to leave the car. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, one of our artists had the opportunity to open up for Mariah and Lionel Richie. 
and he gave me some stories that are not for broadcast of oh, what he saw behind the scenes. But it lives up to that diva-esque, like, don't look at me directly in the eye. Oh, I hate that. You know, uh, you have to talk to someone to get to me, even though I'm in the hallway with you. It just, it, it just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, then there's no place for But, that. you know, when you look, look at paper, that one song... Oh, is her career. You could make a really good career off of that. Yeah. Just like uh, Mel Torme with Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire or Andy Williams pick a Christmas song. Bing Crosby, White Christmas. You could have stopped right there and said, okay, I'll just wait for the royalty checks. Yeah. And she got, she's she's gotten big ones, uh, checks uh, over the years. One of our history pages, the song was number one in 2012, like 20 years after it had come out. Like, again, it was the number one Christmas song. Well, and then when Corden did the Carpool Karaoke, which I think now is two years ago, that gave it another huge boost. I just want to glance at uh, iTunes because it's, you know, the running list of charts and it tells you, uh, yeah, it's currently number four singles. Of course it is. She's, She's up there. I don't want to tell you what number one is. but You have to remember, a generation grew up with that song. Yeah. And they still love it. And it, it's it got a nice beat, and you can dance to it. I'll give it a 72. It's got all the things a hit song has. The, it's in the right key. Yep. It's got a singy-songy quality. And, um, yeah, she's going to have a great Christmas once again. Yes. Yes, she is. Well... You know what? I would say Merry Christmas to you, but we still have another show to do on Monday. We're going to do it on Monday? Why not? We're both going to be here, right? That's right. 269. I'll start prepping now. Oh, I know what 269 will be. You already know it? Yeah. Oh, good for you. I'm not going to give it away, though. Of course not. You can follow uh, all of us on Twitter. You're on Twitter still, right? Yeah, I've not been suspended yet this today uh, <laughs> at 46 Sports. What what say you on Twitter? Where are you? At my name is Corey Sportsyak as well. Sportsyak with two Ks. You handle that Sportsyak account, don't I you? I try to. There's a lot of juggling happening. Yes, I, I understand. I think that people really did enjoy Buck on a Chuck. Did they? Did you enjoy it? It was fine. I told you, I would not mind having Buck Russell looking over my shoulder. <laughs> no, he was on your shoulder. That might be a little heavy. <laughs> you got a chip on your shoulder? No, a buck. I've got a buck on my shoulder. By the way, well, of course we have time because it's a timeless podcast. Yes. Um, Bob Nagel actually told a great story yesterday regarding John Candy. So Bob Nagel is emceeing uh, the Moose Krause Football Awards dinner here in town, which uh, high school players receive scholarships and the whole bit. Okay. And the word had been that Regis was in town and Regis was going to drop by. And so in when Bob was told, when you see Regis, introduce him and then give him the opportunity if he wants to come up and say a few words. So Bob says, oh, we've got a special guest in the audience tonight. Please, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Regis Philbin. And Regis comes up, nice big round of applause for Regis. And Regis looks over at Bob and says, I thought John Candy was dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Did the place just erupt? Absolutely. (laughs) 
Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, that, let's end right. There's the off-ramp. There you right go. There. Hit Ooh. the subscribe <laughs> button so you never, ever miss an episode. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Brooks Robinson, and Jim Palmer. Who'd want to wear that underwear after someone was wearing it? I thought Sean Candy was dead! We've had some fun, yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check! Sport Check! Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.